listen for the prayer of illumination. Terrifying word, life-giving word, sanctifying word. Come to us as ones who crave water in the desert. Grant that we may hear and respond to you, yes, in fear and trembling, and also in rejoicing, through the Lamb that was slaughtered, Jesus Christ, who, with you and with the Holy Spirit, is worshipped and glorified by all your saints, now and forever. Amen. Our scripture reading for this morning comes to us from Genesis chapter 22. This is coming off. Fixed. Verses 1 through 14. Listen for God's word to you today. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show to you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father? And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on top of on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham! And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its thorns, horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Holy wisdom, holy word, thanks be to God. I used to think that having a right understanding of faith, once you had that, all that was left to do is to apply that faith in your daily life. 
you get a right understanding of faith, and then you just got to know, all right, well, how do I actualize this in the life in front of me? Now, that's not all wrong, but this understanding overlooks that faith doesn't just need to be applied. Faith also needs to be unlearned and relearned. And this is a process that never ends. Learning and unlearning and relearning. When I went to seminary, I thought I had a pretty good understanding of theology and the scriptures. And of course, I didn't know all the things I didn't know. And so when I left after three years, I thought, well, now I know at least something about Greek and of Hebrew and some of the great theologians. So now all that's left for me is to apply what I've learned in the churches where I serve. But of course, the process didn't end there. I had to unlearn what I learned in seminary and then relearn. And I've come to believe that's how it's supposed to be. That we should expect that our understanding of who God is will change and grow as we do. And this is not a bug, it's a feature. This is a good and holy thing. And though I no longer believe that I fully understand the story we just read, I've come to see it as a story about a changing and growing understanding of who God is in the life of Abraham and in the nation of Israel. And within that process of change, that's where our hope lies. So Genesis 22 begins, after these events, God tested Abraham. Now that, I thought, that verse alone deserves an entire sermon. After what events? Well, everything that's happened in Abraham's story thus far, which as we've seen over the past couple weeks, involves Abraham being called by God and then doubting that call. It's a story in which God makes big promises and then takes decades to fulfill them. And while Abraham waits for those promises to be fulfilled, he messes up big time, continually. And yet God remains faithful to Abraham. Great is thy faithfulness. And so after decades of faith and doubt, heartbreak and promises fulfilled, God tests Abraham. If you're like me, you wonder, why? We don't know. What I do know is that the word for God in this verse is Elohim which is the name that the Israelites picked up for God while living in the land of Canaan. There's El. You can see him on your screen there. El was the high God of the Canaanite pantheon. And Elohim is the plural form of El. So if we wanted to, we could actually translate Elohim the gods. You see, the Bible doesn't drop down to us from heaven. It was written in a time and a place by people with virtues and flaws and limited understanding who lived in a culture around them that influenced them, just like us. And so it is interesting to note that the name that is most associated with the Canaanite religion is the one who calls Abraham to do this unspeakable act. Take your son, your only son, the one you love, Isaac, and offer him up as a burnt offering. So after all these years of, of waiting for this promised son 
and he finally comes, and now God wants Isaac to be sacrificed? Why, God? How could you ever ask such a thing, even as a test? Well, the awful truth is that child sacrifice was a relatively common practice in the ancient world. We have evidence of it on nearly every continent. And while the Israelite prophets would rail against this practice, the fact that they do so indicates that the temptation remained in Israel long after the time of Abraham. You don't make rules and rail against people who aren't tempted to do something. And so it was conceivable to them that God might ask them to do this. What amazes me about this passage is that Abraham appears to be so calm. Unlike the story of Sodom and Gomorrah from a couple chapters earlier where Abraham is negotiating with God to not kill strangers whom Abraham has never met, but now that it comes to his own son, there's no negotiation. There's no protest. It's just obedience. Here I am. Perhaps Abraham knew this is this is just what the gods do. If there's one thing we know about them, they demand blood. And before we get too judgmental and think that this is just backwards primitive thinking, we should recognize that people still sacrifice their children to the gods they believe in. We just do it in different ways. Every time the gods of war are stirred, who do we send to the front lines? Our children. How many parents have disowned their queer children thinking this is what God demands of them? Right now in our country, what is the leading cause of death for children and adolescents? Anybody know? No. It's firearms. Is it too much to say that we sacrifice our children at the altar of the gun? See, our gods demand blood too. I'm not convinced that we are all that different than the ancients. And so Elohim calls Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, and we wonder what kind of God would make this request even as a test. I don't understand it, and maybe we're not supposed to. An often overlooked aspect of this story is that while it is Elohim who calls Abraham, it is the angel of Yahweh who tells him to stop. It's this small detail that I can't get over. You see, throughout the scriptures, God goes by many names, Elohim, El Shaddai, Adonai, but there is only one name by which God self-identifies. Hundreds of years after Abraham, from a burning bush, God tells Moses, I am who I am, and this is my name forever, my title for all generations. Who are you, God? Moses asks. God responds, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. That's Yahweh. In other words, I am not who you imagine me to be, nor am I who your neighbors have told you I am. Who I am is revealed in what I do, 
both now and in the future. So stay tuned, for the best is yet to come. You see, their understanding of who God is was changing and growing, and within that process of change lies our hope. The ancient religious mindset was that the gods could not be approached without some kind of sacrifice. Everybody knew that. Everybody knew the gods were angry and needed to be appeased. And so to have God's favor, you needed to give up something that you value. Crops, animals, and in the most extreme cases, your own children. Now after the time of Abraham, the Israelites mostly stopped offering the blood of humans. And instead they started offering the blood of animals. A ram instead of Isaac in this case. And I think we can all acknowledge that's a step forward. Yes, this is a good step of progress. So for the rest of the Old Testament, in both the tabernacle and the temple, a constant flow of animal blood was shed, all so that people could feel safe and accepted by God. But there was a problem. It didn't work. No matter how many sacrifices were made, There was never enough. They never felt safe with God. Now by the end of the Old Testament, there are these radical prophets who see this problem and they say these incendiary things. The prophet Hosea declares, puts on the mouth of Yahweh, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The knowledge of God instead of entirely burnt offerings. It's incredible. The seed of a new understanding of who God is was present, but it did not bloom for many, many years. And by the time of Christ, we estimate that 90% of Israel's economy depended on the animal sacrifices in the temple. Wonder why they killed him? When questioned by the Pharisees as to why he ate with sinners, Jesus joins the radical strain of Hebrew prophets and he cites Isaiah saying, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. So go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I didn't come to call righteous people, but sinners. See, Jesus is helping us unlearn what we know about God so that we might relearn who God really is. And Christians believe that who God really is is most clearly revealed in Jesus. That Jesus reveals to us what Abraham was only beginning to understand. That sinners are safe and welcomed by the God who is mercy. That God is merciful to us not because of the sacrifices we make, but because it is in God's very nature to be merciful. And we come to learn that God doesn't demand blood. We're the ones who demand blood. And finally, God complies with our demand. God says, if you want blood, you can take mine. And so when Jesus cries out on the cross, it is finished, he was saying this entire way of relating to God through the shedding of blood is now dead. And Jesus reveals the unthinkable that God does not demand blood from us, but God bleeds for us. 
So at the end of this most mysterious and confounding passage, Abraham names the place Yahweh Ra'ah, the Lord provides. But even more literally in Hebrew, the Lord sees. Yahweh sees, not Elohim. And so Abraham's understanding of who God is is changing and growing, and within that process of change lies our hope. The God who is is the one who sees us. God sees our insecurity, our fear, our confusion, and says to us, let me, let me tell you what I see. I see my most valued treasure, my beloved child. For you, I bleed myself dry, not in anger or in wrath, but only in love. Father Greg Boyle says, God doesn't require anything of us except to receive this love that will change everything. So it is our lifelong task then to refine our view of God. What if the only thing that God has ever wanted of you is to trust that God is always and only merciful? That's a God worth believing in. If we can unlearn the gods who demand blood, we can relearn the God of perfect love, the God revealed in Christ. And so, beloved, the good news is better than you've ever imagined, that you are God's greatest treasure, fully accepted and perfectly safe in God's sight, both now and forever. Amen.